I've tried everything. I'm exhausted. I've reached the end of my rope. Nothing else has worked. All right, all right, I surrender. I've got nothing left to give. You know what? It's actually better this way. It isn't what I wanted, but I can live with it. I've come to terms with it. This is what it is. And I'm okay, I really am. Rose Tremaine said, Acceptance is the harshest lesson life teaches and the one most important to learn. Welcome to the Vanessa Landino podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Landino. We've come to the final week in our series called The Five Stages of Waking Up. So remember that waking up is coming out of denial, out of the false self, into the true self. It's the process when we start to realize two things, two things predominantly. One, we start to see all the things we do for acceptance and approval. Okay, we're seeing all the ways that our behaviors, our lives are just feeding our ego. And the second thing is we start to realize all the ways we've been conditioned to be who someone else wanted us to be, who someone else expected us to be some other person, a family, an entity, an authority, whoever had power over us, we see how we succumb to that and conformed to that, but it's not who we really are. So waking up is the process of seeing all of that. It's the process of getting it. It's sort of zooming out and going, oh my gosh, who have I become? Who am I? All right, so waking up is hard work. It means we have to start feeling our feelings, which is another way of saying we're coming out of denial, right? And that was episode 20. Waking up means we realize we've been giving ourselves away to other people, to systems of thought, to systems of belief, to social expectations. And then we got mad. We realize we've given ourselves away. We violated our own boundaries. We haven't been living in congruence with who we are. So that stage is anger. And that's episode 21. And then we try desperately to negotiate ourselves out of that pain. We're negotiating. We're trying to figure out how to live life but not do life, right? We're trying to figure out how to succeed in life but not actually have to face ourselves in life. So that's bargaining. And that episode was episode 22. And then the dust settles. And we realize we start to come to terms with what we've lost in all those years of not being ourselves and living authentically. And we grieve. We grieve for the self that was buried. We grieve for the times we were the one who buried ourselves. And that's sadness. And that was episode 23. So now we've come to acceptance. I'm going to share some thoughts about acceptance, okay? How it's part of the process of becoming us. But the real work here is this, okay? The acceptance we really need. We're talking about waking up. The acceptance that we really need and are really seeking is the acceptance of ourselves. So what does that mean? Well, it might mean something about us that we can't change. It might mean accepting decisions we've made instead of running from them and attempting to hide them. It could mean accepting consequences for choices we've made that we don't like. It might mean accepting the past that we've had. It could mean accepting the parents that we had, the paths that we've walked, that we didn't really choose. We just sort of had to walk them out of denial. It means accepting that we've suffered in ways that we didn't invite. We didn't choose the suffering. It found us. And it'll mean that we stop denying the pain. We stop trying to make it less than what it is. We stop trying to mask it. We stop trying to reimagine it, rework it, make it smaller, make it less potent. Okay, we stop beating ourselves up about it. We stop lamenting that it is what it is, and it's so hard. 
And so we reach the end of our grief, and then we have acceptance. All right, let's dive in. So first, what is it? The word acceptance simply means that we're consenting to receive or undertake what's in front of us. That's it. That's what it means to accept something. Oh, I accept an invitation. I accept the job. Whatever it is, it means that we're consenting to receive it or undertake it. Okay, whatever it is that's right in front of us, whatever reality is. So we're basically saying, I consent, I allow this, I'm saying yes to this. Okay, so at the core of acceptance is the word yes. I say yes to this. Now, acceptance does not mean I like this, or I wanted this, or I agreed to this. That's not acceptance. Okay, it does mean I see this for what it is, and I'm not allowing a reality I have previously rejected, a reality I have previously fought against. I've tried to change it. I'm not doing that anymore. I see this for what it is, and I am now allowing it. Okay, so in terms of waking up, it means that we're finally able to say something to the effect of like, this is who I am. This is me. We stop chasing perfection. We start realizing that perfection, number one, is not a thing. Therefore, number two, it's not attainable. And number three, it's not even desirable. Who wants perfect? It's boring. There's no story there, right? So if we're waking up and we're coming to terms with who I am, we're saying, look, I've walked a road here. There are some complications. There are some complexities There are some chapters of my life that, man, they don't really reflect who I wanted to be then or now, but I accept who I am. I accept that that was me the whole time. There are things that happened to me that I never would have chosen for myself, but I was in it. I didn't choose it, but I was there. And I'm me now as a result. So when we're waking up, we're starting to see that our worthiness of love our worthiness of respect, just our worthiness in general, is not dependent anymore on a performance or on a certain persona. That's the ego. That's the false self. We're starting to get it that we, the very essence of us, just the I that is I am, right? That being is worthy of love, is worthy, period. Okay? And when we're awake, we mean it. That's a nice thing to say. We all have seen memes and Instagram posts. It might be on a bumper sticker, a greeting card. You are enough. You know, when you wake up, you actually are. You get it. And it's not a singular event. We cycle through the awareness of this. That's why it's a process. There are five stages. We cycle through them all the time on different layers, different ways, different triggers. We're constantly learning the same lesson, which is we are us and it's okay. So by the time we're waking up, it's not really written on a coffee mug anymore. It's not written on a greeting card. It's really written on our hearts. We get it. Okay. Now, when we're processing a grief, and remember that the five stages of waking up are identical to the five stages of grief. Why? Because in both cases, something has died. When we're grieving, we're grieving a loss of a life, a meaningful event, a relationship, We're grieving something of value, right? When we're waking up, we're grieving the false self. The false self, the ego-driven self is dying. This is hard. This is really, really hard work because our egos convince us that they are who we are. And when we're waking up, we're starting to really see that our ego is something different than us. So when we're processing a grief, acceptance means that we finally come to terms with the loss, 
Okay, we've accepted that this person, it could be, again, a death, a divorce, a season of life, a relationship of any kind. We have finally said to ourselves, okay, it's over. This part of my life is gone and I'm allowing this reality now. Okay, when we're waking up, we're saying something similar, only the death is a part of us. It's the ego. So we're saying, okay, I'm accepting that this part of me needs to go. It served me well, but it's time I can release this. I can let it go. I can let go. I'm letting go of the part of me that strives for perfection, that is perfectionistic about everything, or I'm letting go of the part of me that has to be in control, that has to have my way. I'm seeing that that ego that says my way or the highway, or that ego that says, no, I'm just a good person and I always want to help. Whatever the ego is in us that's driving us, by the time we're waking up, we've grieved it. We've gotten angry at what we've missed out on. We've learned what it's cost us. We're feeling all the feelings that the ego was covering over. And by the time we reach acceptance, we're saying like, wow, I really people please a lot. But my true self doesn't. We're getting there. Okay. So we're accepting these parts of ourselves. We're seeing them. And it could be anything. It could be a behavior that has protected us or numbed us to our own pain Um, like abusing drugs or alcohol or abusing sex. It might be a pattern like procrastinating or excuse making. Again, these are all ego driven patterns. It might be a reaction like having a hot temper or withdrawing in fear. And whatever it is, when we're waking up, we finally see it for what it is. And we're seeing how this behavior, the pattern, the addiction, the reaction, it's, it's all kept us from being our true self. And it served us well before we were awake. We were asleep to our feelings. We didn't feel it. And this part of us kept us numb. But when we're waking up, we're ready to face life. We stop cowering at life and using the ego as the false self that's brave enough to face life or small enough to avoid life or big enough to control life. That's all ego. When we're waking up, We're just sort of standing in our own self, in our own skin, in our own space, looking at life saying, okay, this is what it is. We're willing and able to let go of the behavior that kept us asleep. And we're accepting what that means. So acceptance very often means, in fact, I'd say all the time, it means we've come to a fuller understanding of ourselves than we had before. So let's talk through this. Before we reach acceptance, we're busy justifying ourselves. We're constantly defending ourselves. We're denying wrongdoing. We're making excuses. We're minimizing the pain we feel. We're minimizing the pain we cause others. Our lives could be chaotic. Our lives could be devoid of inspiration or creativity or heart or soul. Our lives could be one task after another with no love, no meaning. Our lives could be a lot of things that the false self sets up. One victory after another, another house, another car, another trip, another relationship. Okay, all of that is the ego-driven self, right? When we're in the stages of waking up, by the time that we come to acceptance, we are developing the courage to face life. Why? Because every single stage of waking up requires courage. It takes courage to come out of denial. And friends, if you've done this even a little bit, if you have allowed one feeling in your in your conscious awareness that you didn't allow before, you know how hard this is. Feelings are strong. 
especially when they're rooted in trauma and memories, it is hard to feel those feelings. They're overwhelming, and it takes courage, straight-up courage, to start to feel again and not deny our feelings anymore. It takes courage to get mad. Isn't that ironic? You would think anger is just, you know, some knee-jerk reaction, but I'm not talking about the kind of anger that makes us out of control. I'm talking about real anger, where we are aware that we have been violated in some way, that something that was ours was taken without our consent. So we stop viewing anger as the problem. And we start viewing the problem as the problem. The anger is the response. But the problem was the problem. Anger is not the problem. Aggression, if it's harmful aggression, that's a problem. And if we feel the need to rage in our anger, that's a problem. But anger in and of itself is not a problem. So when we're waking up, we own our anger instead of angrily tearing into and blaming other people. And no one wakes up until they can say, I'm mad and I own it. This anger is mine. It's not your fault. I'm not going to take it out on you. It is mine to deal with. That's waking up. That's healthy anger. And it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to stop bargaining. Bargaining prolongs the full experience of our pain because we keep seeking solutions for it. Well, maybe if I try this, maybe if I try that, I can take a pill, all my problems will stop. Maybe I can try this different identity and I'll finally feel like myself and all the pain will go away. Maybe this, maybe that, maybe, maybe, maybe. And it takes great courage to stop the madness of bargaining and trying to find an easier path through the forest or through the desert and just simply face what we're feeling. It takes incredible courage to cry. I'm not talking about a few tears while you dab the corners of your eyes. That's okay. That's crying. That's sort of tearing up, right? I'm talking about crying. I'm talking about the kind of tears and wailing and weeping and grieving that are connected to your soul, where you are fully allowing yourself to feel the loss of what you have lost. And those tears are connected to the pain. They're expressions of pure pain. Now, this is hard. These tears are pure gold, and they are healing water, and they flow from within. But it takes some real authentic courage to step into that kind of a place of sorrow and grief and let it out. Why? Because in that moment, we do not feel like we are in control. The pain is erupting. But if we won't do it, We can't wake up. So by the time we reach acceptance, friends, we've looked at ourselves so honestly. We're living more honestly. We're in touch with life, with the unfairness of life, the injustice. We're in touch with the losses of life and the grief. We're in touch with how we try and avoid all of that through denial and bargaining. We're just so much more in touch when we're doing this work. And that's when we understand the when. When did we start behaving this way? When did we start coping with life this way? We're now understanding why. Not just when, but why. Why we people please. Why we lie. Why we can't stop working. Why we feel a compulsive need to fix everyone. Why we're constantly chasing a carrot of success. We were trying to survive. We didn't have better options. We were scared. We were deceived. Some of us were given a bill of goods, which is a pile of you-know-what, from our parents, from our teachers, from our churches. 
We were. And when we're coming out of denial, we're saying it. We're not bargaining anymore. Well, they were this and they were that. We're just saying, you know what? That wasn't true. That didn't help. That did not prepare me for life. That did not turn out to be useful, sound teaching. We're dealing with it. We were deceived, but we're facing the truth. And we're learning that if we could have chosen better, we would have. Here's the big one. We're forgiving ourselves. Not excusing ourselves. Forgiving ourselves. And that takes the greatest courage of all. This is acceptance. Okay? So, why is it so hard? (laughs) Don't you love that phrase? I feel like that's just sort of become like a phrase that people say nowadays. And I do. And I always laugh when people do. Because, you know, you're trying to get together with a friend. It's like you're both ambassadors to foreign countries. Your schedules just won't line up. It's impossible. Or when you're trying to put on a bracelet or a piece of jewelry that you can't snap or there's like you're trying to get somebody from customer service on a phone. You know, it's just that phrase cracks. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Well, let me tell you, acceptance is hard because it takes a while to get there. There is no skipping steps. Okay, intellectual understanding doesn't bring us to acceptance. We have to go through the stages of waking up, which means we have to feel and to feel is to feel pain and to feel is to get angry. And to be honest is to admit wrong. So waking up is hard. That's why acceptance is hard, because you have to work for it. Remember these phrases. Inspiration is not transformation. Information is not transformation. So what do I mean? Inspiration is not transformation. We love to feel like we have an emotional breakthrough. We have catharsis. And let me tell you, when catharsis is real, it actually is a breakthrough. Because what is it? It's nothing more than the opening of a dam. It's the releasing of emotional tension that's been inside of us. And it can feel very clarifying, very cleansing. And you sort of feel like you're new again. But inspiration not being transformation means that just because you feel it, just because you've had a big moment, a good cry, it doesn't mean that this is transformed yet. It just means you've had a big moment and a good cry. inspiration. You've read a book, you've read a poem, you've read an essay, you've stood by the ocean and seen the sunset, and you just felt one and connected with the universe. Those are beautiful things. Those are inspiring moments. You wrote a song about it. You played it at an open mic night. All of this is wonderful. It does not mean you have transformed. It doesn't. Inspiration is not transformation. We don't get there through emotional mountaintop peak experiences information is not transformation. What does that mean? You can't intellectually reason yourself into the true self. In fact, the intellectual reasoning of the self is the false self. The true self simply is. The false self thinks that it needs to think its way into a better self, or it can will its way into a better self. But the only way to truly transform is to go through these stages, which means you got to feel it. You got to go through bargaining. You got to feel mad. You got to feel sad. And then eventually you come to acceptance. So information doesn't help. If self-help books worked, we'd all be Buddha. (laughs) We've all read plenty of them, or you can go to Barnes and Noble or get on Amazon and fill your shopping cart. But you can read all the books in the world, and what I hope they will do, and sidebar, I have a book coming out soon. I'll keep you posted. But if we don't go through the work, if we don't face ourselves, there's not going to be transformation. No one was different from reading a book. This is true of the Bible. 
There are biblical scholars who can book chapter verse everything in the Old and New Testament, and they may be immoral, unethical, dark people. It's not the information that transforms us. It's the process of facing the self. So you got to do the work, and that's why it's hard. You got to feel, you got to get mad, you got to cry, you got to try it your way. And then, and then, you come to accept what is. Acceptance is hard because it requires that we surrender our ego. And let's talk about this a bit. This is the part of us that believes that it's in control. So we think of the ego typically as the driver inside of us that wants to be seen in a certain way, right? Always wants to be seen as good, powerful, attractive. And this is true. That is all ego. But the ego is the false self that always wants to be in control. The ego cannot let go of control. The ego actually believes it is in control. So part of the ego wants to be seen as wonderful, powerful, beautiful, strong, different, extraordinary, set apart, all of those things. Okay. Now, the truth is we are all of those things, but the ego really wants to promote that all the time. So the ego can't say easily, I don't know. It can't say, I screwed up. It can't stop the performance. It can't trust love. And that other more powerful side of the ego. So that's the performance appearance side of the ego. But I believe that the more potent side of the ego, because it's more subtle, is the ego that cannot let go of control. Whatever we need to be perceived as has control over us. So ask yourself, how do I need to be seen? This is your ego. When I walk into a room, what do I want people to notice about me? Even if it sounds good, I hate to break it to you. Even if you're like, well, I just want people to think I'm kind. That's your ego. (laughs) That's your ego. It is not kind to want people to perceive you as kind. Your true self doesn't care. Your true self knows what it is. Your true self doesn't need approval. It doesn't need validation. It doesn't need recognition. And this is always so tricky about the ego is when people want to be known for quote unquote good things. Well, I just want to be seen as humble. That's ego. Your true self doesn't need to be seen as anything. Your ego wants to be seen as good or kind or humble or helpful or smart or brilliant or impressive or powerful or intimidating. All of that is ego. And whatever it is that you want to be seen as has power over you until we wake up. And we become aware that we can't make people see us as we want to be seen. Because when we're in ego, we really believe that we can control perceptions, opinions, thoughts, and feelings. We think we can do all of that. And the ego will fight hard. And it fights with a number of tactics. It'll warn us That if we are in a certain way, we won't be loved, we'll be all alone. So the ego makes us scramble for attention and approval. The ego convinces us that we're too weak to be authentic. You can't tell the truth. What if this person knows this about you? It convinces us that we're too strong to be vulnerable. You don't need to be vulnerable. You don't need to act weak. You don't need to admit defeat. The ego convinces us that others only love us when they see us a certain way. That's all ego. Ego believes that love is conditional. That's the only love it knows. And it keeps us chasing a carrot. The carrot is always out there. It could be success, importance, goodness, safety, ease, 
Whatever it is, that's the carrot that the ego puts right in front of us. And waking up means we finally accept, there's the word, acceptance. We finally accept that, number one, I can't control how others perceive me. And number two, I finally see that the person whose opinion I can't tolerate, the person whose lack of love I fear the most, the person who gives me the most conditional love, you know where I'm going. It's me. That's waking up. When you finally start to understand that you are projecting your lack of love for yourself onto everybody, you are literally performing for yourself. You are proving to yourself through other people, which objectifies them. You're not in a relationship with with a real person and functioning as a real person in relationship when your ego needs to be seen a certain way. That person has become an object to reflect you back to you. That's it. That's not a relationship. It is an egotistical mirror. And here, guys, we all do it. Don't panic. I know you're listening to this while you're driving, while you're cooking, while you're working out, wherever you are, while you're taking your walk, whatever you're doing, just take a deep breath. I do the same things. There's a list of things I like to be seen as. I've talked about it on this podcast before. This is very human. But the consciousness of it is the thing. Okay? So waking up means we're accepting I can't control how others see me. And I see that the person whose love I'm chasing is me. And until we accept what is, until we learn to unconditionally love ourselves, we're going to perceive acceptance as giving up, losing. Because we see nobility in the struggle. I'm just fighting hard. I'm chasing my dreams. I'm chasing the carrot. And we're addicted to the pursuit of perfection, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of importance. Let's camp on that for just a brief moment, okay? This isn't about wealth, and it's not about fame, and it's not about success or accomplishments. It's not about being a good person. Don't you love that? I'm a good person. I believe I'm a good person. What does that mean? Does it mean you've completely ignored your shadow? Does it mean you're not aware of your shadow? What does that mean? Anyway, that's another podcast. But it's not about chasing any of that. Here's what the struggle is really about. Here's where the ego steps in and goes, ah, I got this. I got this. I got this. The true self is like, no, wait a second. I, no, 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 no. Shh, shh, shh. I'm, I am in charge. The ego is in charge. I am in charge. Here's what it's about. We want to believe our lives matter. That's it. We want to believe our life on this earth This fleeting, somewhat, frankly, bizarre experience of being a conscious human being. Sadly, some of us, our lives are cut so tragically short. Some of us reach our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, our 60s, 70s, 80s. But we want to believe that deeply, when we're here, our existence matters. We want purpose We want to believe someone cares about who we are, that it matters what we do. We want to believe that this life we're living makes some kind of a difference in the grand scheme. And waking up means that we accept two things. It means we accept that our lives matter, and they don't. And this is hard. Yes, they matter. Of course your life matters. My life matters. Our lives matter to the people around us. They matter to our communities, to our families, to the people whose lives our life touches with love, with grace, with wisdom. 
our choices have echoes all around us, ahead of us, into the years. I mean, that it matters. Yes, your life has a ripple effect. And it doesn't matter. We are specks of electrical, biological reactions spinning on a rock, floating through outer space, hurling around a star. (laughs) It doesn't matter. And we are here for a blip in the grand eternity of time, and then we're gone. And when we wake up, we can hold both. We know that we matter. And we know that our lives are a blip. And so we go from being too big. And if we're too big, we think our lives matter so much to everyone. We make grand statements. We're preaching. We're entertaining a hyperinflated sense of self-importance. And it usually results in taking on too much responsibility, generating too much dependency from others, taking ourselves far too seriously, and thinking we have more sway in the world than we do. Or we go from being too small. And if we're too small, we're underestimating the effects of our love, our kindness, and our wisdom. We think it's pointless. It goes nowhere. Now, this is a hyper-deflated sense of self, which is just as self-centered as the self-important ego. Just as self-centered. It's just in the other direction. We're still making all of our choices from the self, the false self. The false self is too big or the false self is too small. But all of life is lived from the false self still. We're self-censoring, self-degrading, self-limiting, self-judging. So that's the too small self, not the too big self. And it's hard to get what we call in the 12-step world right-sized. Not too big, not too small. Somehow when we do this work, and it's mysterious, it's a little magical, When we become honest, when we look at our lives in the 12-step world, we take an inventory. We become very honest. We tell our truths to other people. We combat the shame that keeps us silent in secrecy. When we're waking up, we somehow get right-sized. We stop thinking we're too big or too small. And we just realize that everyone is glorious and everyone is going to be gone tomorrow. Okay? You know, on my intake forms, when people come to see me in my office, there's a question on the form that says, you know, have you ever received mental health counseling before or any kind of psychiatric care? Because I need to get a history, of course, you know, of what this person's sort of been through. Are there diagnoses that they've been given? What do those diagnoses mean to them? Are they on medication? I need all of that information to sort of start my work from an informed place. And I would say that about two thirds of my clients remember the name of their previous therapists. About one third has no idea. They can't remember their name. And I think of myself as a therapist and like, you know, all the time and the schooling and the work and the supervision and the hours and the training that you do to become a therapist and no one remembers your name. And I I think to myself all the time when they I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw this woman. I don't know. I was like in Chattanooga. I don't remember her name or. Yeah, it was when I was living in New York. I don't remember his name, whatever. And I always think to myself, this is going to be me. They won't remember my name. And that is okay. What's more important for me is that they remember a feeling in their body, a feeling safe, loved, seen, known, understood. I hope they remember in their body that they were safe to be vulnerable. I hope they remember in their body that they could be challenged because they're more than they thought they were. But will they remember my name? Probably not. (laughs) I remember the first time that happened. Because as a therapist, all of my therapists have been so memorable to me and I remember all of their names. 
But my clients don't. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious. But when I'm in my ego, I think, oh, my gosh, are you going to forget my name? But when I'm in my true self, I think, you know, I'm just content to be simply a part of your life the same way that, frankly, you are a very meaningful part of mine. And that's as it should be. And that's enough. We're going to come back to that later in today's episode, that when we reach acceptance, it's enough. The ego needs have died down. What we have is enough. And it's hard. It's also hard because we don't understand the difference between resignation and surrender. So let's talk about that for a minute. When we resign to something, okay, think about resigning a job or being resigned to some reality in your life. What you're doing when you resign is accepting that something unpleasant cannot be avoided. And it's usually with a sense of loss, right? Resignation has this sort of negative connotation to it. There's a sadness to it. We're giving up. We're throwing in the towel. It's like we're admitting defeat. And when we're resigned, it's like we're saying, you know, I don't like it, but whatever, whatever. There's an apathy to it. I give up. Surrender is different. Surrender is what we do when we encounter something far more powerful than ourselves, No one surrenders until we realize that the thing we're fighting, whatever we're beating ourselves up for, it's bigger than us. And here's the important phrase. It's out of our control. Resigning is a way of stopping a fight because we're tired, we're beat down, we're worn out, we're frustrated, we're just resigned to it. Surrender is not about admitting defeat. It's about admitting powerlessness. It's about admitting reality, this thing, this fact, this reality, whatever it is, it is out of my control. No amount of strength or fighting or willpower or conversations, nothing's going to change this. It's out of my control. Now, that's not the end of the story of acceptance, but it's a very crucial part of it. Surrender is essential. And admitting that something is out of our control is not weak. It's not giving up. It isn't a failure. It's finally coming to terms with reality. And this is waking up. When something is out of your control, it is in your best interest to say that it is, rather than being in denial and bargaining and going through and through and through the cycle of trying to get something that's out of your control in your control. If it's not in your control, it's not in your control. Waking up means facing reality, and it means surrendering when we need to. So when do we reach acceptance? Let's talk about when. Typically, when we've reached the end of ourselves, we've tried everything. We've offered our best solutions, our strength, our willpower, our best, most creative ideas, and we're running up against the same wall. All of our solutions have run out. And friends, we're resourceful, we're creative, we're tenacious, But let's be honest, when something is out of our control, it's out of our control. No amount of fancy thinking or creative solutions is going to change that. And that's when we've stepped into reality. That's facing ourselves. That's facing life. We've confronted our ego and we see our need to constantly be in control, to constantly believe that we have power. And when we're waking up and we're coming to acceptance, we stop fooling ourselves that we are the masters of the universe. And we realize that we are powerless over some things. And we're facing our choices when we're reaching acceptance. We're admitting what's worked, what hasn't worked. We don't feel the need anymore to defend our choices. We're just saying, look, I screwed that up or I tried this, but it didn't work. We're owning our consequences. If we're coming out of denial, we're feeling pain. 
And pain means anxiety. Anxiety is painful, right? We're facing all the things that we're doing to not feel our anxiety. Maybe we're working our way out of anxiety. We're drinking our way out of anxiety. We're partying our way out of anxiety. We're traveling our way out of anxiety. We're dating our way out of anxiety. We're distracting our way out of anxiety. We're constantly doing, ignoring, endlessly working on ourselves, reading, going to seminars. We're creatively starting businesses on our way out of anxiety. And it's not working. We're still anxious. And when we're in acceptance, instead of doing all of that, we're just going to be able to say, I am anxious as hell. (laughs) My goodness, I'm anxious as hell. And I can't seem to get rid of it. So let's talk about what happens when we reach acceptance. More options become available than we ever believed possible. We've stopped our own solutions and in the reality of admitting what is, facing life, facing ourselves, more solutions become available. We're finally saying, all right, I'm admitting what is, right? I'm allowing reality. You're going to hear me say this a lot in this podcast. I'm honestly accepting that everything I've tried to do hasn't helped. I haven't been able to bring about the outcome I wanted. I believed I could and I'm admitting I couldn't. Maybe it's a relationship. And you're finally getting in touch with all the work that you've put in to change the other person. And you're starting to feel what that's cost you. Okay, maybe it's an addictive behavior. And you're finally admitting, I can't stop. This is destroying me. I've tried. I can't stop. Maybe it's underachieving. You've been settling for less because you've been convinced you deserve less. And you're finally saying, I see it now. I'm the one holding me back. I'm the responsible party. Maybe it's shame. Maybe you've been trying to be beautiful, successful, and so put together. All of this would just take my shame away if I was good enough. And you're finally admitting, wow, I'm literally keeping the cycle going. The shame is real. I'm in shame. I have plenty of money. I'm in shame. The lack of money is not my problem. The lack of beauty is not my problem. The lack of skinniness is not my problem. I have shame. And the shame is real and I haven't been able to change it. And I accept that this has been and is a part of me. But whatever it is, we're not fighting reality anymore. We're telling the truth. And then a magical thing happens. When we stop living from the ego that wants to look what? It wants to look good and it wants to be in control. It has one objective, protect the false self. When we start to realize that there is an us where the ego used to be, where the ego stands, there's actually a true self underneath that. There's a wise mind, an accepting heart, and a willing self. And the traps that the ego got us in become options for living. We stop seeing just one solution. Instead of seeing the ego's direction of be better, be this, be that, have this family, have this outcome, we start seeing, wait a second, if I stop chasing that, what else is there? And we start seeing options, other options. Acceptance means, actually, ironically, that we have found the solution, but the solution is not fighting reality. That's not the solution, trying to change reality. This fight, this perpetual fight against reality keeps us in conflict, therefore in pain. And we fight. And every time we do, we remind ourselves that we're unhappy, 
And what makes us unhappy is not the, the situation that we're in necessarily. What makes us unhappy is that we won't accept it. It is the lack of acceptance that is driving our unhappiness. Folks, happiness is not about getting what we want. It's about accepting life as it is and finding the beauty in it. It is ridiculous to think that we're going to be able to craft the life we want all the time. But we can find beauty in the life we have by accepting what's in it. That's what I mean. Our options open up to us. We're convinced that only one thing's going to make me happy. Only one thing is going to settle the anxiety. Only one thing is going to take away the shame. And then when we realize, when we're coming into acceptance, like, dang it, this is still here. I'm still me and I can't get past this, right? Now we start seeing other options. When we're past the ego and we're in the the true self, we have the ability to say, it's okay if this doesn't turn out the way I want. I'm okay. And this is power, true power, because we're no longer governed by the need to be made happy. We no longer need to get everything we want. Look, when we're grasping what we think we want with both hands and we can't release the grip, we're in our ego. Our ego has us convinced that you cannot be happy unless X, Y, and Z happens. It's one option, this or unhappiness. But when we accept what is, we have more options. We can choose what we focus on. We can hold both the desirable and the undesirable parts of life. We don't need life to be this or that. Because we know that life is this and that. And this is waking up. This is being in life on life's terms. This is being part of the dance instead of trying to control the steps. Now we're looking at life in the eye and choosing our next move. We're done lamenting that it's not what we wanted, exactly what we wanted. We couldn't control it. We've grieved that. And now it's like we're standing in an open field with so many options all around us, and we're capable of accepting all of them. That's power. No, we didn't get what we want, but that's not the end of the story, and it's not the end of you. In fact, it's the beginning. Acceptance is a beginning. This is waking up. And all of this, these five episodes, these five stages, this is the cycle we go through when we grow. We don't go from false self to true self in one cycle, friends. I wish we could, but really what would life be about? It's, it's a journey from the false self to the true self. We cycle through these spaces many, many times. And as we become aware of them, as we become conscious of where we are, We can laugh along the way. We can communicate with each other along the way. We know when we're in denial. We know when we're bargaining. We know when we're mad. We know when we need to grieve. And we know when we reach acceptance. And the better we get at being conscious of it, the faster it goes. And there's peace. We're not fighting anymore. We've accepted it. We've allowed reality of who we are And we're working within reality now. We're not making choices to keep the false self alive, the ego's dreams and wishes. We're making choices to keep the true self authentic and free. And here's the truth. The only way out is through. Is that Churchill? I think it's Winston Churchill, right? The only way out is through. We can't skip any of these steps. And there's not a secret trick to flying through these growth stages. There's just not. Life is life and we are in it. You've heard me say it before. Life is long and the road is hard. Or the road is long and life is hard. Whatever I say. But you get the idea, right? This is a place of acceptance. It's complicated. Life is long. It takes many steps. But 
for some of us, we create so much more pain for ourselves because we won't just grieve that life is not perfect. It's not easy. It's messy. Get in it. Roll up your sleeves. Get in the mud. Our pain occurs most dramatically when we fight what life is. But when we surrender, we admit that forces, realities, people, they're out of our control. They're more powerful than we are. And then we live empowered. Isn't that ironic? To become empowered, which is to say to live in the true self, means we have to surrender. We have to face that we are powerless in order to become truly empowered. And acceptance is one of the most empowering, empowering places you can be. Our quote this week, and I'll repeat it, acceptance is the harshest lesson life teaches and the one most important to learn. Friends, it is so hard. Every stage is hard, which is why acceptance is hard. But once we get there, we get better at it. Just like every stage, once we come out of denial about one part of our lives, it's easier to come out of denial in another part. Once we allow our anger and understand its purpose, we'll allow it again. We allow our grief once. Now we know how to grieve. We grieve the loss. We notice we're bargaining. The sooner we notice it, the sooner we can stop. And acceptance is just like that. We will welcome it for the peace it brings. Yes, it's hard. We don't get what we want. But we learn to be in what is with greater peace. Waking up isn't easy. But the only alternative is living a false life from the false self. Yes, it's hard work. It's why we need friends. Friends who are real, who are waking up too, who get it. I hope you have friends like that. All right, let's stop there. I'll be with you again next week. We're going to look at 10 unavoidable truths. Speaking of acceptance, speaking of waking up, speaking of facing reality, we're going to look at 10 unavoidable truths. Maybe we'll do all 10. Maybe we'll do five and then five the next week. We'll see. But thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you hear, please keep sharing this podcast. Send this to someone who needs it. I know this is a series, so sharing this might be a little bit difficult, but the first four are about 30 minutes long, and I did that on purpose, and I know this one's longer because this is the final one. This is acceptance. It's a big one. But please share it. We all need these messages. If you like it, share it. If you like it, please leave us a five-star review. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. All of that helps the word get out. And it's so good. It's been so good to hear from all of you. If you want to share thoughts, keep sending me emails. Send me an email at the podcast at vanessalondino.com. I love hearing from you. So thanks again for listening. And remember, your sole work is to discover who you truly are and learn to love that human being. My friends, love means acceptance. This podcast is recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, edited by Jared Bentley. I'm Vanessa Londino, and you just listened to the Vanessa Londino Podcast.